Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Good morning. It is time to get up with a dazzling deadline day for the Dolphins. Did Miami make itself the team to beat in the AFC? Meanwhile, another spin in the cycle for bewildered Brooklyn. The coach is out. They lose again. What happens next? Woj is here with all the answers. Plus, home run derby in the World Series. The Phillies get their swings. Hey, Houston, we have a problem. Oh, what a morning. We've got work, and it's time to get up. Starting right now. In 30 years, I've never had a day like this. We have four lead stories this morning. We have all the right people to talk about them. The football squad is here and ready to go. We got baseball covered with Todd Frazier. We got basketball covered Woj and Amari Stoudemire are here. We're commercial free for our first 20 minutes. We'll take you through all four stories. Todd, it starts with the game of the night. World Series game three. Phillies at home. Bottom one. No score, but not for long. Bryce Harper gets right in the action. Yeah, he's starting to turn into the Philly legend, man. Taking no time. First pitch. Let's go. Let's show the world. Let's go. We're here, Philly. Two-run shot of Lance McCullers. Now, what's happening here with Alec Bone? Real simple. He said, listen, we had the meeting this morning or this afternoon. Trust what we told you. Go up there and see the little tip that he has. Trust it. Go out there and dominate and have a great day. You think it works? First pitch of Bones at bat. Bam! Off McCullers. Harper's fired up in the dugout as the Phillies take a 3-0 lead. And everyone thinks McCullers is tipping his pitches. Bottom five now. Phillies leading 4-0. Kyle Schwarber. Yeah, another Schwarbaum. I mean, you don't see this too often in the playoff. A changeup hit over 430 feet to dead center. My goodness. Keep going, big man. 6-0 in favor of the Phillies. The home crowd going crazy. And then the very next batter is Reese Hoskins. Yeah, as you can see, they hit five home runs. He was tipping a pitch here. They saw everything, and they did not miss. Every home run was hit pretty far. Philly's just dominating yesterday. They're up two games to one. Let's hear from Bryce Harper after the game with our Buster Olney. Now, as you got close to home plate, you looked right at the camera, pointed down, and you said something. What was it that you said? Uh, this is our house. You know, Philadelphia Phillies, this is us. This is our fan, this is our fan base. This is great. The whole world is wondering what you said to Alec Bohm. What'd you tell him? No, just trying to have as much information as possible, right? Just having good at bats and trying to do the best we can to get on McCullers early. He's really good and, you know, just trying to do the best we can and have the best at bats we can. So that's as much as he's willing to tell us. You've lived these moments. What's he saying to Bohm in that moment? Everyone was talking about it after the game. Yeah, it's real simple. They didn't, nobody wanted to say anything. He was tipping pitches. Hey, listen, come to me. Hey, listen, he is definitely doing something. Our meetings with Kevin Long, the hitting coach, just understand, trust it. And that's the biggest thing. It's so hard to do when a guy is tipping pitches like, hey, listen, what I know and what I can do, I don't need to see or see a tip. And at the end of the day, he saw something and trusted it. And next thing you know, boom. 
five home runs. They got to go back to the film there. Houston needs to fix that ASAP. So here's what we don't do. We don't just tell you he was tipping pitches. We show it to you a little bit later in this hour. Todd is going to show you exactly what he saw Lance McCullers was doing the moments that might have changed the World Series last night. We'll get to that. Meanwhile, story number two today. The Brooklyn Nets, as we speak, are finalizing a deal to hire suspended Celtics coach Ime Udoka. According to Woj, a formal agreement could be reached today. Udoka would replace Steve Nash, who departed Brooklyn yesterday after telling general manager Sean Marks, quote, they're not responding to me. Here was Kevin Durant. It was a rocky year last year, rocky summer. Uh, we knew that everybody was being evaluated. That's just how it is. I like working with Steve. I like working with the coaching staff. It was a roller coaster the last few years, but, you know, the core of it, basketball, is something that we all love to do, you know. So regardless of who the coach, regardless of, you know, the circumstances, still got to come to work. So I enjoy coming to work with Steve. What a mess. All right, Amari Stoudemire was on the staff last year, obviously has known Steve Nash forever as teammates. We'll talk in a moment. But, Woj, let's start by spinning this thing forward. Nash out. Ime Udoka, how close are we to having a deal done there? Yeah, Greeny, I think a formal agreement could be reached as soon as today. And Ime Udoka could be on the Nets bench you know, by as soon as this road trip this weekend. And for Brooklyn, I think Sean Marks, you know, he sees a coach in Udoka who I think he will, believes will command the respect of that locker room will improve them defensively. He was he was on Steve Nash's staff before he went uh, to Boston. And remember, he coached Ben Simmons also in Philadelphia. And that's his key to anything in this entire net season. Can they get Ben Simmons going? And, and that's going to be, I think, as much as anything, they'll get better defensively if Ben Simmons becomes a factor again. It feels like the hiring of Udoka is a signal, right? A lot of people wondering, should they just blow this thing up? Hiring Udoka feels like it's a move to try and make it work, maybe one last time. Yeah, this, this very much is probably, for this Nets group, this iteration, this core, this is probably the last-ditch effort to make this work. And I think for Udoka, certainly Boston – uh, listen, they suspended him for the season. The expectation is that he would not return. And they're not asking for any compensation from Brooklyn for him to go there. And as we'd reported back in September, uh, Boston was going to allow Ime Udoka to leave, whether it was an assistant coaching job or a head coaching job. And here he is on the cusp of, a, of what would likely be a multi-year deal to be the Nets coach. That's important to point out for those who weren't focused on it at the time. Woj, in the initial story, said if there was a team that wanted Udoka as a head coach, that the Celtics would let him go. Uh, Amari, let's get your perspective on this. Obviously, you and Steve Nash legendarily together as teammates in Phoenix. And now all this going the way it did, what is your take on everything that's happened? Yeah, I mean, it could be a sign of relief for Steve, right? Because once he got the job, it was a lot to intake. You know, there was a lot going on with, with Kyrie and guys that not been available to play, and it was ups and downs throughout his coaching stretch there with the Nets. So I felt like this could also be kind of a sign of relief from him, kind of a, re- a restart moment. But, uh, but I do think bringing in Emei will be a good move for the Nets because he's a guy that has, you know, a fundamental structure when he was there with, with San Antonio, with Popovich, and, and developing that coaching strategy. And now being able to implement that with the Nets will be helpful for them. I understand this is a tough question, but I think a lot of people are wondering, is this salvageable? I, I've got a lot of people telling me, you know what, they should just give up on this. It clearly isn't going to work. Do you believe it still can Absolutely. I think so. I think so. I think if you if you implement the proper structure defensively and you get those guys to buy into that defensive system and then also go through some part method offense to get the players more chemistry and plan together and get that get that time together to work out those kinks offensively. And then with Emei bring his leadership 
and his firm disciplinarianship to the team, I think it will be able to, to salvage the team. We will see what happens. And obviously, Kevin Durant's role in all of this. I mean, you were there last year to see it. He's the one guy who showed up when he was healthy and when he was able uh, and played through it. Where do you think his head is at right now in all of this? You know, Katie wants to win a championship. You know, he wants, he wants to continue to build on his legacy, and he wants to be in a position where the organization is surrounding him and helping him with that. So he's going to do his part. You know, Kevin Durant trains at the highest level, whether it's him in the gym by himself or he's going earlier after practice. He goes 100% full throttle. The guy wants to be the best player he can possibly be and win championships. And I think he's now trying to see if this is going to work out for him. All right, so this is all the on-the-court stuff as it surrounds the Brooklyn Nets. But as most people are aware, there's a lot more to this story. The Nets right now are being advised by the Anti-Defamation League on how to handle Kyrie Irving's social media post of last week that linked to a movie filled with anti-Semitic rhetoric. For the second straight night after their game, the Nets did not make Irving available to the media. Here's their general manager, Sean Marks. We don't want to cause, um, uh, you know, more fuss right now, more interaction with people. Like, let's let him simmer down and let's let this whole, uh, I guess, let's the cooler minds prevail. And I think we need to go out and become, you know, educate ourselves, educate the whole group and get some direction, seek from the experts, you know, and the experts is, you know, one of them is certainly the ADL. Uh, Woj, this has obviously created an enormous uproar. What, what is the latest as far as the team, the league, and anything else the fans should know? Yeah, listen, the league sent out, as did the Players Association uh, yesterday, really fairly nondescript uh, statements uh, that, that didn't name Kyrie Irving by name, when saying that, whether it was the Players Association, the league, that they stand for equality. And, and I think all right-minded people wish Kyrie Irving would have apologized for sharing uh, that movie, a link uh, to that. He didn't do that Saturday. In fact, he did really just the opposite of apologizing. He doubled down on it. And I think uh, until he apologizes and, and, and whether that's going to be enough uh, this story and, and is going to be with us, and rightfully so. Amari, uh, your perspective on this obviously is something a lot of people would like to hear. And again, I'll remind you, you were there last year, so you have a relationship with Kyrie. What is your perspective on all of it? Well, I think Walt is right. I mean, you have to give an apology um, and because if, if you're, if you're going to promote a documentary that has false allegations inside of it, and you may not understand that these allegations that's inside the documentary is false, okay, you, 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 you made a mistake, right? So apologize for it. Um, and so I think that's the issue. By not apologizing uh, for, for that is going to be an issue that the NBA is going to probably take a look at. Charles Barkley uh, last night on TNT was very critical of the NBA for not taking some further disciplinary action. Do you feel that Kyrie Irving should be suspended or in some other way disciplined for what has happened here? Well, I, I think something has to happen, whether it's just an intensive conversation with, with the commissioner about, you know, what he's doing and what, he's, what his plans are as a basketball player, right? Um, so I think that conversation has to happen. As far as suspensions and these things, I'm not sure how that's going to play out. Mm -hmm. And Kyrie's a guy who's trying to find himself. He's always on his quest for, like, learning and knowledge and information. And if you're not totally factual or, or, tr or understanding what you're learning and what you're trying to promote, then just don't promote it. Just learn quietly and try to figure it out. But once you start putting information out there that's not true, then now it creates a problem. All right, so that, a problem it most certainly is. We will have more on this. We'll have a full highlight of their game last night against Chicago and more as we continue. Guys, excellent. Our next stop is the NFL. A record 10 trades were made on deadline day yesterday, beginning with the Lions sending TJ Hawkinson to the Vikings. What an acquisition for Minnesota. Their tight ends this year rank last in the league 
in yards per catch. Hawkinson is first among tight ends at 15. Staying in the division, the Bears adding Chase Claypool, giving Justin Fields another receiver. They gave Pittsburgh a second-round pick in return. But the biggest trade of the day, Miami, sending a first-round pick to Denver for Bradley Chubb, elite pass rusher. He has five-and-a-half sacks this season. Here was Dan Orlovsky's reaction on NFL Live yesterday. Miami can win the Super Bowl now. I did not feel Ooh. that way this morning. Miami wow. can absolutely wow. win the Super Bowl right now. Wow. Miami didn't think they had anybody that could get Josh Allen and yeah. Patrick Mahomes on the ground. They had to get a guy that could stop the other quarterbacks, and their quarterback is playing Super Bowl caliber football right now. Fascinating in a conference that we feel has been dominated by Buffalo and Kansas City. Kmart, David Pollock here, but Chris Canty, I'll start with you. Dan Orlovsky says the Dolphins are now a Super Bowl caliber team. Do you agree? No, I don't agree because you're going to have to go on the road, and I don't trust that the quarterback is going to be able to stay healthy. Now, I love what the Miami Dolphins are when Tua's in the lineup. In games that he starts and they finish, he actually helps the Miami Dolphins because they average 10 more points per game. So I, I look at them as a viable playoff contender. But I don't necessarily see them as a team that can go on a deep playoff run. And I don't see them as a team that can go on the road and beat the Kansas City Chiefs or go on the road and beat the Buffalo Bills. You know, when, when we think about the acquisition of Bradley Chubb, Kmart, I was looking at the notes that you sent in today, and I know what it made you think of from last year. And I sort of thought similarly about what this could mean for the Dolphins. Like, think about that Super Bowl. What's the, that indelible image? It is not Matthew Stafford connecting with Cooper Cup, at least for me. It is Aaron Donald sacking Joe Burrow. And what have the Dolphins done? They've got another guy who can sack a quarterback. You've got, think about the AFC and the quarterbacks that they're facing. You've got Lamar Jackson, you've got Josh Allen, you've got Patrick Mahomes, you've got Burrow. You need to disrupt the quarterback. And already I felt like the Bills, the Chiefs, the Dolphins, and the Ravens were among the top teams in the AFC. So adding, adding Bradley Chubb, I don't see how you can de- definitively say they're not a Super Bowl contender. I think they've got all the pieces. To me, the issue is, can Tyreek Hill stay healthy? Yeah, and I think what you said, except I'll take it for a different player, Vaughn Miller. Mm-hmm. Trading for Vaughn Miller was probably the difference. Is this mm-hmm. the difference in putting him on the top? By the way, how about we give the uh, Dolphins some credit? Like, the three picks they got for Trey Lance, mm-hmm. Jalen Waddle, mm-hmm. Tyreek Hill, now Bradley Chubb. You talk about building a team, the mm-hmm. Dolphins have done as good as anybody to give themselves a chance. I wonder how many teams are on Dan's list that can win a Super Bowl. Yeah. If he just said yeah. a favorite, uh, I mean, yeah. they've already beat the Bills. Remember, yeah. they, they're the only team to beat the Bills. But I just want to know how many teams are on that list that could win the Super Bowl. Well, I mean, so let's do it. It's Buffalo. It's Kansas City. Does it end there? Or is there Eagles? someone else you like? You no, no. Well, let's go just in the AFC. I would, I would put the Baltimore Ravens there with you, the Roquan, you still like them with, with the Roquan Smith trade. I right. think that shores up that defense. A lot of the communication issues on the back yeah. end get cleaned up because Roquan is one of the best coverage linebackers right. in the NFL. And he's also going to be the signal caller so he can communicate. You know what else it makes me think of, Kmart? Yes, and I, I understand the Super Bowl is of more pressing importance to most people. But we went into the season wondering, is Tua going to be the long-term answer in Miami? This feels like it has been definitively answered now. So regardless of what we say at this desk, right, the Dolphins clearly believe this is their time. And they clearly believe they can win with Tua. You don't bring in a Tyreek Hill. You don't give up that draft capital. You don't bring in Tyreek Hill, that kind of money, and bring in Bradley Chubb unless you think our time is now. Mm. 
So I, I think and, they got a good roster. And you could do that when you got a rookie quarterback on a rookie deal. Yep. You can spend all the money and surround them with all the talent like they're doing. They're doing an unbelievable job of doing that. And correct. But, but to the point that I'm making is they had all these picks that you just described yep. them using in all these other ways. We thought, well, maybe they package those picks to go up and get one of the big quarterbacks in this draft. And you know better than anybody, of course, who they are. This, to me, is a signal. They've yes. decided, no, Tua is our guy and going forward. same in Philly, right? We said, like, oh, the Eagles are giving themselves some cushion, too. Like, if this uh, Jalen Hurts thing doesn't work out, they got some picks. I think both of these teams feel pretty good about where they're at. What a morning it is. As I said, we have four lead stories today. Our fourth college football. Last night, the playoff committee releasing its first top 25 of the season. The team of the year so far, Tennessee grabbing the number one spot, followed by Ohio State at two, Georgia at three, and then Clemson over Michigan at number four. Alabama is at number six. That is the lowest it's ever been in the initial rankings. Uh, But obviously, they are right there in striking distance as the highest of the one loss teams. David with us, of course, and Heather Dinich, who joins us. You were there last night for all of the things. So the question I always like to ask, particularly on this day after the first rankings, is what should the fans be thinking about? What were the most important signals that the committee sent last night as we look at these top six or seven teams? Well, I would start with Michigan. I thought it was an indictment on their schedule. And if you look at the top 15 teams, Michigan has the worst schedule strength at 79. Their non-conference opponents, Colorado State, Hawaii, UConn, are a combined 8 and 18. So what does that mean, Greeny? It means they better beat the Buckeyes or they're not going to get into the college football playoff. Well, that, that, that may well be the case. But David, how about you? What do you see as the number one takeaway from last night? It's the same as we see every year. Sometimes they use the eye test. Sometimes they use the script and the strength of schedule and the strength of records. I mean, you look at Tennessee, they're, they're clearly number one. They beat LSU and Alabama. That's two top ten teams. But then you look at Ohio State, what they've done so far, definitely not as impressive as Georgia. They thought Ohio State was better. Clemson's very interesting. How about TCU? I mean, TCU falling all the way down, that's a message to TCU. Like, how high can they climb when you look at their schedule, what they have less, they go at Baylor, at Texas. But it was a message to me to TCU, like, you're not a complete football team. Sometimes I wonder, and the fans will get all crazy about all this stuff, Clemson over Michigan. But the reality of it, Heather, is there's no scenario, there's no world that we could possibly be living in in which the unbeaten Big Ten champ, if it's Michigan or Ohio State, doesn't wind up in the college football playoff, right? No, that's right. Undefeated Big Ten champ is in. SEC champ is in. Even if it's a two-loss LSU, undefeated Clemson is in this thing. But a lot can still happen. And we know Georgia and Tennessee are going to play each other. Ohio State, Michigan, there's going to be room. But to Pollock's point, Big 12 could be in trouble. TCU has got to stay undefeated. And they've got to look better in the process because they're undefeated right now. And they're looking up at one-loss Alabama. By the way, a team not to ignore, David and I were talking about this before we came in, is Illinois. Illinois is going to get a shot at Michigan and then in a Big Ten championship scenario, possibly Ohio State. Don't ignore Illinois in all this. Crazy to say that. Let's talk about Tennessee, Georgia, though. You guys will be there for game day this week. It's the game of the year. I'm envisioning, because you know me, I live for chaos. I'm envisioning a scenario in which Georgia beats Tennessee in a close game. Then Georgia loses to Alabama in the SEC championship in a close game. Is that a world in which three SEC teams and the Big Ten champ 
or I guess maybe Clemson, one of those two make the college football playoff, David. You're not getting three SEC teams. No, no way. I I think you're going to – you might could look at the resume there and say, holy cow, you might have three worthy teams. The Big Ten is getting a team in, and I think the ACC or the Big 12, we're going to talk about one of those teams are going to get in. I don't think we're going to get that. But it is very interesting to think about if if Georgia beats Tennessee – like, okay, Tennessee's sitting at home, but they've already beat Alabama, yeah. so that three-way tie would be very interesting. The committee would have to do some work. That's what I'm talking about. If they're all be close fun. games, if somebody wins 63-2, to two, then that changes the dynamic. But in close games, Heather, how about it? I, I, Paul Feinbaum will join us a little later. He'll go with me on this idea. Heather, I'm confident. What do you think of it? I certainly wouldn't rule it out entirely because Clemson could lose to South Carolina, Notre Dame, or in the ACC championship. You could have a two-loss Utah winning the Pac-12. If you have those other pieces of the puzzle, you can certainly open the door for that because Georgia would have a top – they would beat the selection committee's top team. I wouldn't rule it out. And Alabama has to win in order for the SEC to have a chance – at three teams because then Tennessee sitting there, whether they beat Georgia or not, can say we beat the SEC champs, and that's huge in that equation, Greeny. At the end of the day, if if their job is to pick the four best teams – it would be very hard to argue those were not three of them, right? If, in the scenario in which I'm describing, right? I would 100% agree with you, but they're not going to do that. I, I agree. It should be the four best teams, but they're not going to put three teams from one conference in. There's no way. I know they probably won't. And I'm not suggesting that they should. Except <laughs> yes, for those of us who do this job for a living. It would be a lot of fun. We'll see. We'll get Feinbaum in here a little bit later. Heather, stay close by. We are jam-packed and we're just getting started. Coming up, what's cooking and what's not cooking in Dallas? Did Jerry blow a chance to help Dak and a big way on deadline day. Will they regret it? We'll talk about it. Plus, the deadline is coming gone, but there's still one huge name available. Could Odell be heading toward a giant reunion? Oh, what a morning. Stay there. We're just getting up with you on ESPN. Delicious, meat nutritious, and the snack that packs a real protein punch. Wonderful pistachios, one of the highest protein nuts out there. Each one-ounce serving has 6 grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. Wonderful pistachios also come in a variety of flavors and sizes, perfect for enjoying with family and friends or taking them with you on the go. And you're on the go a lot, taking the kids to school, hopping from meeting to meeting, shopping for groceries. Well, the good news is, not only are wonderful pistachios a complete protein, providing all all nine essential amino acids, they're also great for all your adventures. So whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut, or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snacking game today. Visit wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We are back on Get Up. Hey, how about Jeff Saturday this weekend, Kmart? Uh, it's got the anvil duty oh, look at, at the Colts game. Look at him. They were, they were he's such a little dude now. Look <laughs> yeah, at him. Like so he, much he's, smaller. Oh, right? oh, look how big I am. <laughs> Why did he get that candy? No, he looks like one of those guys in the state fair trying to hit that thing to make it all go <laughs> yeah. and hit the bell. I don't know about that, Jeff. Jeff Saturday, tiny. He looks my size up there. I wish he was that size when I was playing against him. <laughs> he could use some more pancakes, which he usually has on Tuesday mornings with us. Right, coming up, a deadline disaster in Dallas. Jerry had a chance to make a big deal and didn't. Will he regret it? We'll answer that question next. Let's get up on ESPN. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Back on Get Up, busiest morning of the year. Dallas, our next stop. Jerry Jones said yesterday things could get feverish at the deadline. He was right, but the Cowboys weren't involved in any of it. Dallas believes they're in a championship window. His urgency is to win now. Listen. I uh, am conscious of it all the time. It's different than it was 10 years ago. That never crossed my mind 10 years ago that you might be running out of time. It does cross my mind now. Consequently, uh, I think, like you say, uh, uh, I don't have time to have a bad time. It's not on my schedule. My schedule has tightened up, (laughs) and I have a little less cruising time and a little more doing time. Okay, so first off, in my next life, I want to be Jerry Jones. (laughs) (laughs) Second of all, Ed Werder tweeted, two sources uh, told him the Cowboys and Texans discussed a trade involving Brandon Cooks until the final minutes before the deadline expired. Draft pick compensation and the $18 million guaranteed could not be resolved in time. The question is simple, Chris Canty. We understand it's a lot of money next year. We understand that draft pick compensation might have been significant. But a lot of people view the Cowboys being in win-now mode. Will they regret not making that deal yesterday? Yeah, unless they win a championship, they are going to regret it. Will not making that deal be the difference, or could it be the difference, between them winning it and not winning it? Well, I think it could be because they're awfully thin at the receiving core once you get past CeeDee Lamb. Michael Gallup is not the same player that he was before the knee reconstruction. Jalen Tolbert has been a non-factor. Their next best wide receiver is Noah Brown. So the Cowboys, in terms of having some firepower for Dak in the passing game, they're a little bit lacking. Dak Prescott, the last couple of years, when his throws outside the numbers, he's got 23 touchdowns to two interceptions. This year, career lows across the board on such throws. 
including completion percentage, including QBR. So that's the thing that I'm concerned with. They have a championship caliber defense, but can this offense compete with the better offenses in the NFC in order to get to a Super Bowl and win a Super Bowl? Look, I'm not trying to compare Brandon Cooks to these players necessarily, but look at the impact A.J. Brown has made in Philly. Look at the impact that Stephon Diggs has made. Look at the impact that Tyreek Hill has made. Bringing in a big wide receiver, for the most part, has been a successful formula for NFL teams. What was the reaction you were getting from people to Dallas not making that move yesterday? People that I spoke to weren't as, as, as surprised, and they, they didn't think like this was the thing that could cause Dallas. I think a week ago, I feel like we were on the set, we were talking about Dallas being a Super Bowl contender, like yeah. a legit Super Bowl contender. A week ago. It's usually a day ago. Yeah, day, I, right? I, well, <laughs> I was here last Wednesday. It is every day on this Greeny show that they, we say that. But I, when you look at this, the lack of moves, I don't think Dallas lost any significant standing. We still think they're one of the best teams in the NFC, do we not? Um, When you look at this roster, we were praising Dak. We were praising coming back. We were praising how they were playing without Dak. I think at this point, I would actually like to give Jerry credit for some restraint. Because I think if you bring in somebody right now, you also have to pay them. you got to give up draft capital. I don't know if that Brandon Cooks, he's not Tyreek Hill. No offense to Brandon Cooks. He's not Tyreek Hill. But he's he's not a good player everywhere he's gone on four different teams. Let me try and make my argument. Let me come over here. I get No, no, no. no. I get it. Because you think, David, look at that nice face. It's hard to make the argument when you say he's been on four teams. That's what I'm saying. It's like every team's getting shipped around. What are we missing here? He's been on four teams. but that's He's been productive everywhere he's gone. And I will just say this. You look at the big teams in the NFC. The Eagles added an impact position last week in a pass rusher. The 49ers added a player in Christian McCaffrey who looks like he might make all the difference in the world. The Vikings, who no one is talking about, are 6-1 and one and added TJ Hawkinson, who right now is one of the best receiving tight ends, maybe one of the best all-around tight ends yes. in the entire National Football League. All these other big teams got better. I know the Cowboys added a defensive tackle last week, and that could be a <laughs> meaningful move. I'm not saying it isn't. But it's not necessarily the same kind of impactful move. You're trying to keep up with the Joneses if you're Jerry Jones. What do you think, David? Well, first of all, I don't. I think they, they could have added. James Washington, when he comes back, where does mm-hmm. that stand on the depth chart to at wide receiver? Does that help them? They're still, to me, is Tony Pollard the starting running back? Because if Tony Pollard is the starting running back, this offense is more explosive. If they use Dak the way they used him last week, a little bit in the run game, this offense becomes more explosive. He's built like a tank. He's got great athletic ability. It could help them. The run defense has to get shored up a little bit, too, when you talk about playing the Eagles, when you talk Mm -hmm. about playing Dalvin Cook, when you talk about playing the 49ers. So, I think they're right there on Dan's list, you know, of teams. (laughs) Of of 10 teams. On the list of teams that can can be in there. But I don't think they have enough firepower on offense to be that team. So, So, let me ask you the same question I asked you about Miami. When we look at the teams, the short list of teams you could see winning the NFC Championship, are the Cowboys on it? Absolutely. I mean, you can make an argument that they're the second-best team in the conference right there with San Francisco and Minnesota. So I, I, I like what the Dallas Cowboys are bringing to the party defensively. And to your point about shoring up that run defense, that's what the Jonathan Hankins trade was all about. The only question that I have is what happens at receiver if, for whatever reason, C.D. Lamb goes down? Mm-hmm. What are you going to do? Your passing game has already struggled this year, throwing the ball outside of the numbers down the field. You don't have another threat outside of 88. That's an area that has to be of concern. Now, I'm not saying they got a major in it because the identity on the offensive side of the ball is running the football. Right. They had 29 run attempts versus 28 pass attempts in that Bears game. But you still got to have some firepower in the passing game, and I just don't see that beyond 88. I'm going to continue to try and convince Kmart. Remember last year when the, when the Rams signed Odell? 
Odell Beckham. We thought he was going to be a luxury. That's something they didn't necessarily need. And then immediately one of their receivers, Robert Woods, got seriously injured. And all of a sudden, a luxury became a necessity. You can't have too many good players. I, I believe they will regret not making this move. What was it going to cost them? A second-round pick? A player who is a 50-50 chance, plays three years in the NFL and never comes back? I think they, teams overvalue these draft picks. Is that so? Yes, I do. I, I, it's actually changed a lot, though. I mean, you well, look the at, Rams won a Super Bowl last but year. But look at how many people are trading them. now during the season. That's like, what yes, it is. They used yeah. to hold on to draft picks right. like it was gold. Right. Now, teams are a lot more willing because to move draft people picks and are players. Unproven commodity. Correct. I understand. Like, but, but again, I bring the, what you're, you're comparing the Brandon Cooks thing to adding an Odell, adding a Tyreek Hill, adding these. Like, Brandon Cooks is a very good player, but there's a reason he keeps getting moved. Like, I just don't see this being the move that sets the Cowboys into the stratosphere of Super Bowl. Odell like, was free, that, too. I, yeah. Odell, Odell was free they, last year for the Rams. Yeah, he, he might uh, be part of the conversation for one of these teams as this year goes yep. on. We'll talk about mm-hmm. that. My goal in life is to convince Kmart I'm right in the next hour and 24 minutes. In the meantime, let me go back to Todd Frazier. Let me show you again what happened last night. The drama at the World Series was extraordinary in Game 3. So it began with a bang. Bryce Harper knocking this one out off Lance McCullers to give the Phillies a very quick 2-0 lead. And then, as we saw earlier, Todd, he calls over Alec Bohm from the uh, on-deck circle. What is he telling him there? Don't overthink. We got the tip. Go up there and believe it and trust what we told you in the meeting, Kevin Long, the hitting coach, had a great meeting with these guys, I would assume, and now we saw what happened. Do we think it worked? Well, this is the first pitch that Bohm sees. He knocks that out of the ballpark, and they were off to the races. The game essentially was over there. They hit five home runs yesterday. Four of those five came on off-speed pitches. Prior to this game, Lance McCullers had not given up a single home run on 651 off-speed pitches through the regular season and the playoffs. So something was going on last night. And as I promised you, Todd is going to show you what it was. Yeah, and that's the biggest thing, the biggest tell. They're hitting home runs off his off-speed pitches, which is his nastiest pitch. So let's go to the first one. As we see, the glove is up and down. There's a little space in between. Boom. Harper saw that. Now from the back angle, it's a little easier to see, as we can tell. The glove is the biggest key here. Now, the glove is actually behind his head. It's curved, and you can tell a big difference in the fastball, the two-seamer. Now, he was doing this with the changeup with the off-speed as well as with the fastball. And let's take a look. So, boom, glove up and down on one side for off-speed, glove tilted to the right and behind his head for the fastball. It's really that simple. I mean, if you're in fifth grade and you're 12 years old and you can't understand this, Hmm. simple. Look, and there's actually space in between here. And there's no space in between here from his head to his glove. That's actually another tell. Look at that. It's a huge, huge tell. Up and down, space, curved, no space is a fastball, as we could see. And these guys didn't miss. How are you going to hit that many home runs off pitches that he's most dominant at? And he hasn't done it before in over 500, 600 pitches. It's extraordinarily well done. And look, if anyone would understand the benefit of knowing what pitch is coming, it's the Houston Astros. So uh, we can look at it that way. Very nice. Let me throw another thought at you here. How commonplace is something like that? I would assume you guys, and by you I mean hitters, pitching coaches, et cetera, you're always looking for things like that. How frequently do you find something you feel that strongly about? Very, very. We have guys, guys that don't play during the game. They go and they study in the background on their computers. They come back and say, hey, we got something. I had a great hitting coach in Chili Davis who would study this hours and hours on end. And guess what? Harper told him. He said, listen, Alec, let's go, dude. We understand this. And there's some guys that don't want to believe in it. And guess what? The baseball's too hard. So guess what? 
Give me 60, 70% right, I'm going to take it and go with it. And so quickly here, and we'll have more time to talk later about the, what, what does this mean for the rest of the series? It, it, it does not – it suggests the Phillies figured out something in McCullers. I don't know that it necessarily leads to more success going forward. Are the Phillies in control of the World Series right now? They are in control. I mean, yesterday's in the past now. They had a great tell on McCullers. But right now we got to focus on Aaron Nola. Is he going to step up or is it going to be the Aaron Nola of last game they had in Houston? So he has to figure it out. He does better at home, so we'll see Philly again, man. I got them to win tonight, too, as well. Game four tonight. That was really well done. More from Todd Frazier as we continue this morning. But coming up, the deadline may be over, but there's still one huge name available for the right price. Could Odell be heading toward a giant reunion? We'll talk about it. Plus, much more on the Brooklyn blockbuster Steve Nash. Out. Can the season be saved, or is it time just to blow it up? Jay Will will be in our studio to answer that question next. You're watching Get Up on ESPN. We're back on Get Up. Jay Williams in our studio with us here. We told you the Nets made a coaching change yesterday. Jacques Vaughn coaching the team last night against Chicago. And for most of the night, Jay, will they look good behind 32 from KD? You thought they looked good? Well, I, I, mean, they I were watched the game last night. They didn't look good at all. There was nothing good about this team. Kyrie was nowhere to be found. KD didn't get started going energetic-wise until the fourth quarter. It was actually embarrassing. Well, they had a 10-point lead, uh, but then into the third, the fourth quarter it would go, and that's where the defense fell apart. That's Alex Caruso, and then Zach Levine would put the dagger in. Look, this Bulls team is a complete team. The question is, will they be healthy when it's all said and done in the playoffs? But a lot of questions looming around Brooklyn and their leadership. Clearly. Uh, uh, Levine would have 29 last night, 20 in the fourth quarter. Here's the aforementioned Kyrie. He had four points, two of 12. I mean, he spent most of the game barking back at fans. What's that tell you about the situation going on over in Brooklyn? Well, that's what we're going to talk about in a moment. Here's Levine with the dagger. As I mentioned, KD had 32, but not enough. The Nets fall to the Bells, Bulls 108-99. Here was Nick Friedel after the game. This right here is the most dysfunctional team I've ever seen. They just cannot seem to find a rhythm on the floor. The drama has overwhelmed this group off the floor for the last couple of years. And frankly, it's the biggest reason why Steve Nash decided to walk. The biggest single word is dysfunction. All right, and, and so that's uh, Nick Friedel, who's been around and seen some things. And again, Jay Will is here, and, and you made the point over the highlight. You didn't think they looked good. Again, I, I really just meant they were winning the game and then yes. wind up losing the game. So I think here's what I'm hearing from people. And obviously on your radio show, you're having these conversations as well. Is it time to just admit this didn't work? They're going to hire Ime Udoka, which sounds like giving it one more shot with this group. But how close would you be if you were making these decisions to saying, you know what, this whole KD Kyrie thing, it just isn't meant to be? Well, it isn't meant to be. The reality, though, is that you're stuck, right? So you know, is Kyrie Irving a tradable asset right now considering everything that's happened over the last year and a half? Like, you're not going to find any kind of marketplace value for him right now. No. And KD signed to a four-year extension, $194 million. Now, look, KD can force his way out after this year, which I actually think is going to happen. Like, I, I truly think that this team is going to dissipate before it's all said and done. I don't even know as good as a coach as Emi Yudoka is if he can fix all the questions looming around this team and their leadership. Well, I mean, the, the, you mentioned that Kyrie is not a tradable asset. That's probably right. He is a cuttable asset. And there are a lot of people suggesting that at this point they would be better off doing that. What, what is your sense of that? It just feels like if you're Joe Sai, you're all in right now. Like, here's what I am going to say is Emi Yudoka, a coach, 
coach that can potentially change the culture? Yes. Does he give you a higher winning probability than Steve Nash? Yes. But it does feel like, and this is coming from a New Jersey Nets fan, Greeny, mm-hmm. it feels like the Nets are the black eye of the NBA. It feels like they are the most unlikable team maybe in the history of basketball. You tell me how you root for this team. I mean, there are a lot of questions around what happened with Kyrie over in the last couple months, over the last couple of years. KD giving the ultimatum to Joe Tsai about, hey, it's either me, Steve Nash, or Sean Marks. People are asking, is there a coup going on? You bring Emi Udoka. And here's the thing about Emi Udoka. Like I said, great coach. But think about this for a second. The Boston Celtics gave him up with no trade compensation. Yeah. Zero trade compensation. They got a first-round pick for Doc Rivers in 2013. They didn't ask for anything. What's that say optically about where the Nets are right now, Greeny? No, it's all awful. I completely agree with you. The optics are as bad as there have ever been in any team I can think of. That said, sometimes talent wins out. And the one thing we know they have is talent. We know Kevin Durant has talent. We know Kyrie Irving has talent. We know somewhere in there Ben Simmons has things that he can bring. And we know that Ime Udoka was a good enough coach to lead the Celtics to the finals mm-hmm. last year and in a Game 6 scenario. Is there any way you could see them actually pulling this together and putting together a representative season in which they compete for something meaningful? No. I'm a gambling man. I like to gamble. I might have a problem. That's fine. But I'm going to tell you, I'm not going to gamble on the Nets this year. Why would I gamble on the Nets? Like, if somebody tells you who they are, Greeny, inevitably you have to believe them. Yeah. So, you know, when people say, well, the Lakers and the Nets are a bad team, I'm like, don't put the Lakers in the same sentence with the Nets. Yeah. The Lakers have an issues on the floor. But LeBron James got a championship. He may put himself in a corner with Russell Westbrook, but he got a championship. And I know the way he leads – you tell me why you would believe in the way the Nets are led. There's nothing that makes you believe, even with a coach that is a good coach, leadership-wise, that they're going to get to the promised land when it's all said and done. No, it's extremely well put. I can't argue with the word that you were saying, and these are the conversations they're having, obviously, KJM, coast-to-coast, every weekday morning on ESPN Radio. You're the best. Thank you, you J. I appreciate you coming over here. we got good games tonight. Uh, NBA doubleheader tonight. We will see the Celtics uh, at 7.30 Eastern taking on Donovan Mitchell and the Cavs. Then the Blazers will host Ja and the Grizzlies. Coverage tips off with NBA Countdown 7 Eastern on ESPN, and you can watch live on the ESPN app. All right, back to the NFL. Odell Beckham Jr. continues to recover from his torn ACL, which occurred, of course, in the Super Bowl. Trade deadline has come and gone, but Odell remains a prized free agent addition for someone once healthy. Could a reunion in New York be on the horizon? Here's Giants GM Joe Shane. Obviously, you know, he's been a good player. He's a guy, you know, we would consider and talk to. Um, when he's healthy, uh, I think he did the ACL in, in February, so um, not sure really where he is you know, physically. But if a player's healthy and they would help us win football games, we will pursue them if they fit you know, what we're looking for. Well, wouldn't that just be too wouldn't delicious? Wouldn't that be tasty? I mean, there is no team that needs receivers more than the New York Giants, who, while no one takes them seriously, are sitting at 6-2. <laughs> <and two. laughs> that's, that's the reality, right? That's true. We, we, that's we true. talk about all the teams we could see. He's not even on, they're not even on Dan's list. And everybody's <laughs> on Dan's list. It's like a scroll. So, uh, what? How, what? Uh, Odell, what? What are we hearing? Um, so, you're right about the Giants could use him, because the Giants have probably nine explosive plays a season, and every other team has has 17, at least 17. Mm-hmm. So clearly they could use him. Um, but when you watch Joe Shane, when you listen to him, he said, yeah, not really sure where he is health-wise. That is the big thing. So Odell, proven playmaker, but that is the sticking point for teams right now. I'm not ruling it out. 
but I think it's unlikely only because, like you said, the state of the Giants. They, Joe Shane even said in his presser, he's ecstatic that they're 6-2 and two because yeah. that was not the expectation. They had, you know, they understand they're trying to build this the right way. They came from Buffalo where it's like you build through the draft. We get the QB set. They're not even committing to Daniel Jones right now. That evaluation process is still ongoing. Yes, Odell would help this team. We don't know when he's going to be healthy. And also, Odell right now, he's doing his tour, his vanity tour, which he should. But he wants to feel like the belle of the ball. So you don't know. <laughs> you don't come to Odell and say, you are the greatest. You need, this is why we love you. We need you. Joe Shane is just like, yeah, we'll talk to him when, when you know, he's healthy. I hear you. And, and let me very quickly say to that, I don't think you can evaluate Daniel Jones with the receiving core he has right now. Not yeah. reasonably. I, I don't think you can figure out if he can play quarterback or not because he has no one to throw to. That said, I asked everyone to pick a team mm-hmm. that Odell should want to go play for. If you were Odell Beckham and you were choosing right now, who would you want to go play for, Chris Canty? The New York Giants. I want a reunion with that team. I, mean, I want to I be in the not. playoffs. We know Odell wants to be in a large market because he hated it in Cleveland, and the Giants have a need at the position. That receiving core has the most drops in the NFL. They're 28th in receiving yards, so you have a chance to add a guy that has championship experience to enhance the culture that Brian Dable and Joe Shane are putting in place. And here's the thing, Greeny, that everybody is glossing over. The New York Giants are going to be in the playoffs. So even if Odell's not ready now, mm-hmm. the Giants are going to have an opportunity to add a guy yeah. that can help them out once they get to January football. You Greeny, like that. They're 6-2. and two. They got home games against the Colts, the Lions, the Texans, and then two against the Washington Commanders. I'm with you. They're going to be in the playoffs. Why not add Odell Beckham to it? It doesn't I, cost you any draft Greeny. picks. I love the dynamic here because usually Kmart just disagrees with everything Dominique says on Wednesdays. Now we've added another <laughs> disagreement. What do you disagree with about that? What does the screen say? Where should Where should Odell want to play? Not which team needs Odell the most. Like, I think Chris doesn't remember that I covered him at the Giants. This is his heart talking, this whole Giants thing. Like, if you're Odell Beckham, you don't want to go to the Giants. You want to go to a team that you know is going to probably be in the Super Bowl. That's the Kansas City Chiefs. You want to play with Patrick Mahomes. You want to go to an offense where you are a piece. You can be explosive. You don't want to go. The Giants are not... (laughs) Here's what I would say. You want to go somewhere where you can enhance your value for the 2023 offseason. And the Giants don't have a receiver. Do you want to win a Super Bowl or not? Listen, listen, he already won a Super Bowl. He just won that last year. He's trying to get paid this year. Y'all are both wrong anyways because that's way too cold for Odell. (laughs) Okay. 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 Where's she she Okay, that's fair. Miami. Miami. Jalen Waddell. You got Tyreek. And now he can come in and get some open looks. It would be beautiful. By the way, warm weather. Okay. The knee will be nice and loose. Nice and football. loose on game day. Hey, by the way, we're just we're just assuming that the second ACL surgery on the same knee in nine yeah. months that he's going to be the yeah. same guy. Like, go where you're going to get all kinds of single coverage. You're going to be open. You're not going to have to be worried about any. Who are you? Plenty of space. Who are you going to cover there? I will. Exactly. Everybody. I yeah. will let everybody guess where I think New York go. No. The Jets? Yeah. No. I, oh, Dallas. Oh, come on. It's the Cowboys. How about them Cowboys? The Cowboys. That's not bad, by the way. I like that. Everybody should go to the Cowboys. <laughs> I like that, though. I mean, I like the Cowboys. Yes, I do, too. They yeah, it's on turf. They should have gotten Brandon Cooks. They didn't get him. Okay. I'll give you Odell. That's what we think. Odell, if you're watching, you should pay attention to mine. As we continue, <laughs> how about those Dolphins? Did Miami actually make itself the team to beat already in the entire AFC? That's the question we will answer coming up next. You're watching Get Up on ESPN.